Thank you for listening to Overcomers Church International Weekly Message. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened as you hear the Word of God. Hallelujah. Uh, speaking of wife, would you come up here? I can't tell you why you're standing here, but I just felt like you're supposed to stand here. So, okay. and that's what you do in a red church. That's right. Yeah. yeah little water right there. Yeah, I'm just helping you out. Or it's anointing oil, or I don't know what it is, but you're just so sparkling. Um, You know, it's awesome. Amen. It's awesome when uh, you have people come in that understand you better than you. And what we experienced last week was people that understood us better than than us. And I sent him, I sent him a message this morning and I said in quotations, as if it was a book, I said, the red church awakens by Joseph and Heather Z. And he said, thank you. And amen. I was hoping he would say by Joseph Z and Kent Ward, but he didn't, he didn't go for that. So, but praise the Lord. Uh, There's a great awakening that's happening in the church. And I believe that the giant is being awakened because what's happening in the world as far as the church is concerned, it's not working. We have to do things different. And I really believe that the, the time is here and we're only pressing forward that the idea of being seeker-friendly and Jesus' name, I believe, is going to come to an end. That doesn't mean we don't love people. That doesn't mean we don't do our best to try to love on people and help bring them in and help them feel welcome. We should always do that. That's the nature of hospitality. But when you only have hospitality and you don't have forward movement, that's not good. And so, you know, there's a, um, there's a teacher named Danny Silk, and he talks about the fivefold ministry. And he says that really God has given the fivefold ministry, the apostles, prophets, evangel- evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And that is what's necessary to keep the church from becoming a natural organization. And I believe that with everything in me, that God hasn't called us to be a natural organization. We're a supernatural organization. We serve a supernatural God. And it's funny, I've got a pastor friend of mine who's in a different location of what I won't mention, who has what I would consider to be a seeker-friendly church. And he asked the question to, for all the people on his Facebook page, um, when revival comes, what will it look like? Find out Sunday morning. And I thought, I don't think I'm going to answer that because my idea of revival and his idea of revival are probably two different things. I mean, I think of people getting filled with the Holy Ghost. I think of demons coming out of people. I think about people coming out of wheelchairs. I think about the dead being raised. Listen, folks, that's the most normal kind of Christianity that there is. The church has been, has been melted down and liquefied and poured into some different mold than what God, God never intended for it to be this this thing where people just come in and they're not ignited with the Holy Ghost and with the word to go and live victorious lives. God has called us to do that. He's called the church to do that. And I thank God for people like myself. Praise God for me. People like me who are willing to just stand up. And I've had, I, you, the ones that are here, you are here. And then there's some that are like, I'm not, well, I'm here because I see some stuff going on. But then there are ones that are like, I cannot handle that. <laughs> 
And you know what? I, I found this out, and it just brought so much confirmation. We just are who we are. We is who he is. We are going to love everybody the best that we can, but God has not called us. He has not called us to just have a church to where everybody gets the warm fuzzies and goes out. He wants us to be challenged. He wants us to experience his power. He wants us to experience his presence. And he's called us to, to completely change and shape an entire region and to have the same power reproduced in-house that we will send people to other regions so they can do the exact same thing. That's what a New Testament church looks like. So we, think, we say things like, like, I'm so glad you're standing here by me. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's good to have the right person by your side. Amen. <laughs> we say things like, you know, God's, God's restoring the apostolic church. Well, the deal is, is that back in the early day, they didn't go, we're an apostolic church. They were just the church. But the point is, is that you've got parts of of the gifting that God has given to the body, apostles and prophets in particular, that they have been totally thrown out. 95% of the body of Christ either has no idea or a wrong idea as far as the fivefold ministry and what that really looks like. But I'm telling you, God is restoring her church back to the original design where we are going to move in power. We are going to have books of book of Acts encounters here and in other places that we go. Don't ever look at numbers. Don't ever look at numbers and think that that is the measure of success. The measure of success is are we doing what God told us to do with everything we have in us, period. That's the measure of success, amen? And so sometimes people just don't understand us, but that's okay. We just love them anyways. We bless them anyways. And there are different strokes for different folks. I get that. But I believe that the Lord is converging his church to be the way that she's supposed to be. And you know what? Because we don't have it all figured out, we learn and we grow from other people that know things and have revelations in areas that we don't have. Amen? But man, I'm telling you, the, the, the Lord in the, in the early church, let me just say this and I'm going to move on a couple things where I think you're going to have some input. If not, I just love you standing here next to me. I feel empowered, praise God. It's like I got two Holy Ghosts here, one in me and one next to me. Amen. And when I get home, one of them will correct me. <laughs> But um, when you look at the early church, don't turn that on yet. When you look I, at the, I, I was just gonna say, if you accepted the correction of the one on the inside, you wouldn't have to hear from the one on the outside. <laughs> so be a better listener. <laughs> Amen. I agree. I agree. They're laughing at me. Yes, they are. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do you Sorry. want to preach? No. Okay. okay. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, it's good to laugh. We it have is to good to laugh. laugh. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That's something else that's going to return to the church in great measure is laughter. And it won't, be, it won't be weird, goofy stuff either. I mean, you're always, whenever you got the Holy Ghost moving, you're always going to have fleshy people. But as far as we're concerned, there's not going to be fleshy stuff. It'll be Holy Ghost stuff. Amen. You know, God designed the laughter for us. <laughs> he designed us to laugh. Some of you say, all right, well, where are you going to go from here? I'm, well, we're just going to keep believing God that your face will, will acknowledge the joy of the Lord on the inside of you. Amen. Amen. I better stop. I'm going, to get me, I'm going to get mean or something. I don't know. So as I was saying before this train got totally derailed, <laughs> that in, in the early church, <clears throat> we have a point to all of this, okay? We don't know what it is yet, but we have a point to all this. 
in the early church, there wasn't, there wasn't a, just a core group of people. Hear me in this. It wasn't just a core group of people. Now, everybody, everybody was growing at different levels, and that's true, and that's always been true, all right? But there wasn't just a core group of people, and then a bunch of other people that just kind of showed up and just, well, you know, this, no, 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 whatever. See, the spirit of the age has conquered the minds of so many of the ones that God calls his, and they just, we just don't know who we are properly, and I, I include myself in that. I'm learning who I am. But the early church, it was the true believers they were all lit with the fire of God to where their lives did not belong to them anymore. They totally belonged to the Lord. They were not their own. They were bought with a price and they knew it. They knew every part of them, spirit, soul, and body was bought with the price and totally belonged to the Lord. I was having a conversation with someone recently and I was telling them something that the Lord had showed me prophetically about them. <clears throat> and they said, how, how do, what, what do I do with that? And I said, well, you just have to come to a place to where every waking moment of your life belongs to the Lord. He can do anything with you that he, he wants. That's a stretch for a lot of people. But that's the way we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live at a place to where every thought, everything we do is totally on the table and totally open for God to do surgery on our brain or surgery on our heart or any part of us that needs some adjusting. And you know what's so awesome is that he always does it in love. He's, he's so loving. He's so gracious. He's known we were goofy way before we were. He knew we were going to be goofy before he even made us. And he still chose us. He still saw something amazing in us. He still saw how powerful that we would become. But just because God sees something doesn't mean it automatically comes to pass. We just have to cooperate with him. And I'm telling you, there's a, there's, I'm finding connections because I'm, I'm one of those people that when I read the Bible, I can't read the Bible and go, oh, and you know, the, the guy was sitting at the gate beautiful and Peter and John said such as, such as, I don't have any silver and gold, but such as I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man immediately received strength and his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. Wow. Did you guys see that scripture verse? Wasn't that amazing? I look at that and I go, God, I want that to happen to me. That needs to happen in my life. You've, called, you've told me I'm your disciple, and you've given me the same power, the same authority that all of those disciples have. I have the exact same thing in me. And religion, has, which is the devil's system for the church, it's the devil's idea for what the church is supposed to be. Religion has robbed us of our true identity in Christ. And I'm telling you, we are coming back to that place where it will be normal for signs, for wonders, for miracles to happen. I believe that we're going to have services to where we literally won't have time to preach and teach and sometimes even worship because we'll say, you know what? God's saying this is, this is a testimony day and we're going to have lines of testimony, not only of the people from here giving the testimony, but of the people that have been radically changed and set free and delivered and healed and raised from the dead. Come on Amen. now, somebody get radical with me in here that they're going to walk in here and they're going to testify about what God has done in their life. Amen. Everybody say seeker scary. Amen. Seeker scary. But say right in line with Jesus. Because Jesus was the most normal Christian that ever walked the face of the earth. Ask yourself this question sometime. What does it look like to be a normal Christian? And then anybody would say, 
who knows anything about anything, that Jesus was the most normal example of what a Christian looked like. You talk about a radical guy. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. (laughs) And then he was led into the wilderness and fasted for 40 days. I got to say, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm believing God. I I will be. I will be. I will. And then all of the things that says that if I suppose, John said, I suppose that if all the books in the world, that if all the miracles that Jesus did were written, that the whole world could not contain all of the books that Jesus did. All, I mean, all of the miracles that Jesus did. If I can say it right, it's going to be amazing. Point is, is that Jesus did so many amazing things. We, only, we, we probably don't even have a fraction of all of the things that Jesus did. It's awesome. And God calls that normal. That should, that should stir us up. That should light a fire in us, and then it should bring us to our knees with the Bible open saying, God, show me. God, reveal to me. God, open my eyes up. God, open my heart up. Amen. I'll tell you something I'm learning about me is I'm learning uh, relaxed intensity. That's what God's speaking to me, relaxed intensity, personally. Because I'm one of the most intense people that you'll ever meet. So you're like, yeah, I know. And sometimes people don't know how to take me. But let me just, let me say this as your pastor, okay? I love people. I love, and I, but I love people too much to not look at them and say, get off your backside and do what God's called you to do. <laughs> Come on now. Don't ever confuse intensity for lack of love. Give me grace as I learn how to hone what God's given me because it's an awesome gift. Praise God. Uh, that sounds haughty. It's his gift to me. I didn't come up with it. It's not my ability. <laughs> Amen. You need to be able to look at yourself and say, God's given me an awesome gift. He has given you an awesome gift. It's incredible what God's placed on the inside of you. And you don't need, just need someone to give you a, a message to go, boy, I sure feel good. You need somebody to look at you and minister to you and encourage you that you can go out and overtake the entire world for Jesus. That's what every one of us need. We need someone in our life like that. Guess what? You got me in your life like that. Praise God. Hallelujah. Everybody say praise God for Pastor Kent. Thank you. I love those kind of prayers. Amen. Okay, so I want to shift gears for a second. Come back closer. I feel, I feel as though I preached you out of my circle, and I want you in my circle. I don't know why. Sometimes the Lord, I just get an impression, and I just go with it. Amen. And there might be something that comes from her just standing here. It's, you get to hear me, but I'm nothing to look at, so you can look at her. You can look at her and listen to me, and it'll be a beautiful service. Amen? But I, I, um, I wanted to actually, um, that is not weird at all. But anyways, okay. Um, I want to. You're going to, like, hit me or push you out. It's a good, good chance. Good chance. I know. Uh, so I, 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 wanted, I want to actually make an apology to the church, okay? And you're thinking, well, what'd you do wrong? Uh, it's actually I'm not wondering. what I did wrong. Huh? I said, I'm wondering. Okay. It's not what I did wrong, but it's what I haven't done right. And I have believed God here financially, and the Lord's saying, I want you to believe me here. 
And now, I'm, I, man, I believe God wants us to be blessed. And I don't, even, I don't even argue with people anymore. If you don't believe that, then you don't know what the Bible says. You've got to go read your Bible. We're of the faith of Abraham. Abraham was rich in gold and silver and livestock. He was wealthy. And we have the same thing on us, only that we have a better covenant made with better promises because we've got Jesus. Amen. So that's that. And God wants us to be so extremely blessed in everything that, that we're doing. And he cares more about what we're doing here than we care about what we're doing here. I, I believe that. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. Amen. God really cares about what we're doing. And so, and so some of you say, are you going to actually just teach a sermon? Sometimes you just got to release what God, what's on your heart and not try to package it in something. Amen. So I'm just releasing what's on my heart. And so I have believed here's where I've missed it. So let me explain this to you. For years, I heard people, I've always had prosperity in my heart because if you don't have that as part of your belief system that God wants you to prosper, you won't. Not in God's kingdom. You can prosper without God. I want to prosper with God. That's better. It's more fun that way. And so for years, I've had that in my heart, but that I've listened to people make fun of, come against, and talk negative about prosperity preachers. Let me just tell you something. Jesus was a prosperity preacher. Paul was a prosperity preacher. Abraham was a prosperity preacher. Amen. And I am too. And you say, well, that's for selfish gain. No, it's not. It's all for Jesus. Every ounce of it is for Jesus. All of it is for him. See, I don't live on the 10% principle. I live on the 100% principle. 10% was a starting place for me. People go, do you believe in tithing? I say, yes, plus 90%. Some of you are saying, do you give all your money away? No, I can't afford to do that yet, but I will. I can tell you now, we started, when we made a decision in our heart to start tithing, things changed for us financially, you as my witness. And we've been able to increase our giving. And we, Liz and I are very radical givers, very radical if you saw what we make and you saw what we give, it, would, it honestly would blow most of you away in here. But I believe that I'm going to lead in faith like that for the rest of my life. We're supposed to be that way. And I'm not going to make any apologies about it anymore. And I'm also not going to not say things that I should be saying because the church you guys need to hear and need to be quickened and stirred for me to believe in you on a greater level than what I have. So I'm going to tell you two things that I haven't done that I'm going to do. Number one, and this is probably the lesser of the two, is that Liz and I have a ministry that's separate from this church. And here I thought, we've got other people that come in here that have ministries, and yet the pastors of this church, most people don't even know that Liz and I have a ministry. We started it this last year. Because my mentality has been, I don't want to pull too hard from people. You know what? I'm going to trust that when I release something to you for an opportunity, that you do not give unless God tells you to give. You never give under compulsion or because you feel constrained by anybody. But you can't know about something unless it's presented to you. And I think it's a shame that your pastor has a ministry that God said to start, and most of you don't even know that he he told us to start it. I limited God by not telling you because I didn't want you to feel like like I was putting attention on me. I got news for you. I'm putting attention on what God's put in me. Liz and I have, the Lord has instructed us to write books. And this year, we are working on books as we speak right now. Do you know that books cost thousands of dollars to produce? That the Lord doesn't care. He cares that what's in us gets put into print to bless and minister to other people. 
period. And the Lord told us to do that through our own ministry. So we have ward ministries, all right? This will probably be the, maybe one of the only times you'll hear me mention this all year, but I felt like I needed to mention it. And so we'll have some different things over in the prayer room that'll be up and you'll be able to see it or whatever. It's no, it's no big deal. If the Lord so compels you to um, give $10,000 or $20,000 or $100,000 or a million dollars, then we will receive it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, so that's, I would say, is probably not our primary thing we're doing in our life, but it could be at one point in one day. And so the Lord said to start. And so we're being faithful and we're starting and we're believing God this year for about, I forget, 20 some odd thousand dollars around there because we both have books that the Lord told us to write and to do some we other things. We have multiple books, actually. Yeah, but at least two this year. Yeah. yeah. We act, I have about actually probably three or four books right now that I that I basically am ready to write, but I just have to have the time and the money to be able to do it. And so anyways, we're going to put the time in and God's going to bring the money. Amen. So that's one thing. And that was the lesser of the two. This is the more important thing that I want to mention to you is that we have a, and when Joseph and Heather were here last week and they asked how many people are, are partners with the building fund here, I was literally embarrassed of the poor job I did encouraging you guys to be a part of the building fund. I was, in, I was embarrassed when he was standing up here and there was, I forget, five or six people. And that's not your fault. It's not your fault if I haven't stood up and said, hey, we have a building fund and you should pray about being a part of it. If we're believing God for, for the provision to be there, then we should set things in motion and set things uh, right to where God can funnel the money through us. And I want to give you that. Listen, I want to tell you this. Many of you don't know this because you might be new, new to here since this happened, but it doesn't matter because it still applies to you. So back in, I think it was 2017. It would have been 2017. That's right. October of 2017, we're at a minister's conference. Um, the Lord spoke to me to give a $10,000 offering into Andrew's uh, ministry, his building fund there. And you know, the deal is, is that if you don't have enough to meet your need, then often what you have is a seed and you sow a seed and you watch how God will produce that back in your life. And so there were some different things that happened. And then Wendy came to me and did you, did we talk about it or did you come, just come to me and say, I believe we're supposed to? Yeah. Yeah. And so anyways, but the Lord had spoken that to your heart is my point about us giving that. And so then we, we stepped out. I released that to our church because it wasn't just Liz and I, we didn't have $10,000 to give, but anyways, it wasn't just us. It was the whole church. And so we ended up giving uh, $15,365. But the deal is, see, the Lord knows what we need. And he, he, uh, he knew back then the seed that we would plant to produce what it is that we need. And the Lord spoke to me and he said that you will receive, this was a word from God. I know it was a word from God. You will receive a hundredfold return from that gift that we gave into that ministry. I heard the Lord plain as day. And while somebody was up speaking, the next thing, they, the next thing I know, God spoke it to me as I was sitting and listening. Then that man started talking about how that somebody needed money for a building and they sowed a $10,000 offering and then God produced 100-fold return off of the $10,000 offering right after the Lord had just spoken that to me. So we obeyed God, amen? And this was the letter I got back from, from Andrew himself. He said, Pastor Kent and all the family at your church, I received your gift for our building program at Karis Bible College and was really touched that, you, that in your need, you would sow a seed. That shows faith on your part and faith uh, is what enables us to overcome the world, 1 John 5, 4. And you know, the thing is, is that we didn't have a need at that moment. And we don't have a dire need at the moment, but the writing is on the wall. 
Amen. To where we are, we know that we, we need to move that direction. A good farmer sows seed before they have a need. You don't sow a seed in September and reap it in October. You sow it in April and you reap it in October. Amen. So you say, well, I, that's only, you know, five months or six months and it's been longer than that. Look, I don't know. I, you don't always know the germination of a seed. Soybeans take what? Two, three months or something like that to grow up and reap a harvest. I think they're pretty quick. And there's all kinds of different seeds. You know that an elephant stays in, in the, the womb for like two years? You don't always know how long it takes to fully, I know. All the ladies are like, thank you, Jesus, only nine months. And so anyways, you just, you don't know, but we just trust God with the process. It says, so then he says, I agree with you that this is coming back to you 100 times in this life. That, that's one million five hundred thirty-six. $36,500 coming your way soon. And the good news, and here's the point I want to get to, is that the money comes to the members before it comes into the church. So I'm believing for miraculous financial blessings to come upon every member who has sown these seeds, promotions, raises, creative ideas, inheritances, miraculous returns on investments, and many other avenues of prosperity are headed towards you now. God gives seed to sowers and bread for you to eat. Prepare for increase. It's already in the pipeline. And I'm going to tell you that I believe it's in the pipeline, but I believe I clogged our pipeline up by not being honest and say, you know what? Every one of you should pray about partnering with our building fund. Amen. You should. If only you can do. I know people that they, there's a handful of people. I know a couple of people that they give like $5 a month. You know what? If you, if you will open the valve up, then God will get it to you because he knows he can get it through you. So I want to encourage you, open that valve up. And start to, on top of what you normally give, start to give into our building fund. And if you can believe God for that, he will get money to you to be able to do that. He doesn't give, he doesn't give seed to people that eat. He gives seed to sowers. Everybody gets bread to eat because God will never see the righteous forsaken or their seed beg for bread. Amen? He takes care of his kids, but he gives seed to people that are sowers. Being a sower is a heart condition, but it's also when you take action. You might say, well, I only got a dollar a month, which I don't believe that. I believe everybody in here could scrounge up five bucks a month. But maybe you could give $20 a month or 50 Whatever the Lord tells you to give, that's what you give. That's the point. Open up that valve and believe that, that finances from heaven are going to come your way. Because I got news for you. God, like I said earlier, God cares more about what's happening here than we care about what's happening here. Amen. Hallelujah. You got something to add to that? Uh, and I, I would just say that, you know, a lot of times when, when we're obedient or when we actually take a step out in faith, it's, a, it's not comfortable. Sometimes it, it's uncomfortable. That's when you know that you have to trust the Lord. Yeah. And that is actually what faith is. And so, you know, what he spoke here and just something that was illuminated to me was that it was going to come through the people. It wasn't going to just be a radical gift that somebody gave one time, that it was going to come through you and I, I was telling Ken I said we have to tell the people that they need to take a step they need to take a step Amen. and start giving and sowing into this thing because that just is going to open up the gates for their finances for just you know them to be able to reap to be able to have the creative ideas you know a lot of times when we want something or, or we're believing something it takes a um, participation on our part it's not just like something that comes down it's like us just taking a step yeah. one step at a time trusting the lord 
Lord and just being open because honestly, that's what he's after. He's after, you know, our obedience. He's saying, will you partner with me? And that's what finances are. It's a partnership with the Lord. He has, like in Deuteronomy, it talks about that not one among you were to be poor. And so I was just listening to a teaching and he said, did you guys hear that? They Heaven doesn't even have to send finances. There's enough resources here on this earth Amen. that not one person should be poor. So it's a mindset. So you need to begin to just ask the Lord how to shake that mindset off of you and how to just begin to take steps into trusting the Lord, especially in the area of finances, because that's the least. He said, you don't have to worry about the food that you're going to eat or the clothes that you're going to wear because he already provides those things. So then what are the things that we're supposed to be thinking about? Bigger, bigger people, bigger. Amen. Amen. So. That's right. That's right. And that doesn't mean we believe in socialism, by the way. No. Everybody no. should have their needs taken care of. Yes, but yeah, amen. Sure. Praise the Lord. I only say that because of the day and age we're living in. But I but there's not there's not a the point is, is that there's not a shortage of money. What there is is and I'm not talking about you guys in specific, but there's a shortage of people that are willing to cooperate with God. I really, I really believe that. And maybe that's the great transfer of wealth. I don't know. We've heard this about there's a great transfer of wealth that's going to happen. We've heard that for years from many different places that there is going to come a great transfer of wealth into the kingdom of God because the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. The Bible tells us that. Well, there is. you can look in the world and you can look at the wealth that's in the world without going into names and whatever, but some of the most wicked people have some of the most money. And I thank God that needs to be turned over to us. You know why I believe that probably at least part of the reason why we haven't had money turned over to us personally and corporately, the, 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 not corporately, but the universal church, is I believe it, a lot of it does, has to do with stewardship. How are we stewarding what God has given us? We don't have to be, and I wrote this down and I felt like this was so important. The Lord spoke this to me. He said, we're, not, we're only responsible for the revelation we currently have, not for what we don't have. Let me read that again because it didn't get an amen and that was really good. Maybe it's sinking in. We are only responsible for the revelation we currently have, not what we don't have. That's stewardship. God hasn't asked us to steward something that we don't have. He's asked us to steward something we do have. So many times it's like, I don't know about you all. I, and I did this recently. We were talking about what would we do with $500 million? And it's like, well, probably we'd have to play the lottery to even get it to begin with, which we don't do. And so, you know, whatever, which and if you do, that's your business, whatever. But anyways, and then so we started daydreaming about, well, we would do this for the church and we would do this for this ministry and all of our family's houses would be paid for and we'd sneak probably every person in the church $10,000 to start off with and just see how, well, all this stuff. And I felt like the Lord told me, I, excuse me, the Lord told me, he said, well, what are you doing with what you have right now? Yeah. You're only responsible for what you have, the revelation you have, or the money you have, you're only responsible for that, not about what you don't have. And the deal is, is that God doesn't give increase. And I'm, listen, I'm preaching myself. He doesn't give, it's not that he withholds from us, but he knows how to be responsible and he knows our level of responsibility. And so he's very loving. He wants us to have everything, but he's also very wise. You know, you don't, you don't let your eight-year-old uh, drive a car yet, right? Probably for good, for good reason. I have an eight-year-old and he's not ready to drive a car. Amen. The Lord knows when we're ready to be responsible for certain things. 
And so this goes back to how we are stewarding what we have. The biggest thing about stewardship is understanding the difference between being an owner and being a steward. You do not own the money that's in your bank account. You might think you own the money that's in your, in your bank account. You say my money, and there's no reason to get caught up on semantics. But in all reality, it's not yours. You say, well, I work for it. Well, who gave you the ability to work? Amen. Well, I went to college or I went to trade school. Who gave you the ability to do that? At some, at some way, on some level, you can always trace it back to God's the one that gave you the ability. He's the one that gave you the very breath in your lungs. Everything belongs to him. All we are is stewards over what God has given us. And if we want to have more to steward, we have to learn to steward properly what God has given us. So we, Liz and I have gone back and have gotten nitty gritty. What are we doing with all of the money that's coming in? I mean, seriously. And there's, there's a fine line there because you can op- begin to operate in a poverty mentality and we don't want to do that. But we begin to go back and say, are we buying things and spending things on money that we don't need? And we, we had to be honest and say, yeah, there's th- we're just $20 here, $30 here. Sometimes you just need to say, no, that's being a good steward. It's not that you're not willing to, to let loose of it, but you need to be intentional about what you're doing with your money. I want to show you something. This is so important. In Matthew chapter 25, in verse 14, let's pull Matthew 25, 14 up there, and we're going to read 14, 15. 16, 17, 18, somewhere around there. So Matthew 25, 14 in the New King James. Can we pull that up there, please? Matthew 25 and 14. All right, I want to look at, look at this real quick here. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Let me ask you, let me ask you a question here. Uh, who, who is the, the man traveling to a far country? It's the Lord, right? who called his own servants, who are his servants. So there has to come a mentality at some point, and I'm going to release more teaching on this in the future, to where we go from just being sons and daughters to where we go to being servants. You say, but I'll always be a son or daughter. Of course you will be. God will always love you. You can always come and sit on his lap. He'll always, he, he, he's always going to be your dad. Amen? But when you understand that there are different ways that we relate to the Lord then we can reap the benefits of those different aspects, those different characteristics that God has. And pull that back up there, please. And, and so God definitely is a, a master, right? And he has servants, which is us. And servants are ones, just like Joseph Z said last week, he would say, Lord, I am yours to, co- to command. I remember when this revelation came to me, it was every time I'd go to pray, he was like, Lord, I just love you, and I just thank you for loving me, and that's a great prayer. And I often start my prayers like that today. But there was a shift when I started to realize that I'm actually his servant, and I belong to him. I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. He owns me, and he owns everything about me. So I would turn to the Lord, and I would say, Lord, you can do anything you want with me. I belong to you. I don't belong to me. That's the idea of coming into to a servant. Now, it's not slavery like we think Civil War time. But it's slavery in the sense that it's like voluntary. And when you become a voluntary slave to the Lord, you become more blessed as a servant, is a better word than a slave, but as a servant in the house of God than the richest people in all of the rest of the world system. Because <laughs> he takes good care of his people. Amen. Listen to this. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. So God's given us goods. Look at verse 15. It says, and to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. 
So the question we need to ask us here, ask ourselves here, is what is God giving to us? And if we feel like it's not enough, it's not a reflection on God's goodness, but it's probably a reflection on our ability to steward what God is giving us. I'm going to try, okay? <laughs> if we don't feel like we're getting everything that we need or want from the Lord, it's not a reflection on his goodness, but it's a reflection on our ability to steward what it is that he's given us. Yeah. And so here you had three people, and of course this is a parable, but here you have three people. They were all his servants, but he didn't give to them all equally. Why? Because they didn't all have the same ability. And if we go on down and we continue reading, next verse, verse 16 it says, then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. How many of y'all know that that was a wise guy? He figured out how to take what the master gave him and double it. Look at the next one. It says, and likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. <laughs> See, the master knew the ability of his servants better than the servants probably knew their ability. So this comes back to us. If we want to see increase, we need to go back and say, Lord, what am I stewarding what I have? How am I stewarding what I have right now? Am I taking what you have already given me, if it's one talent or two talents? Am I taking what you've given me and am I stewarding it properly? And let me just be so bold here to say something. Let me be so bold. <clears throat> Help me, Jesus. Everybody say, I love. <laughs> Pastor Kent, if you are not tithing at the very least, at the very least, in my opinion, God loves you and he will never change his love for you, but you're not in faith. At the very least, that's something you should do. You say, well, I just, I don't know if I could, I could do that. Okay, well, whose money, whose money is it? If it's God's money, <laughs> why would you have any trouble releasing it? It's a test. If you go, I just don't know if I could do that. Some of y'all go, man, I feel really condemned right now. Don't be condemned. Just hear what I'm saying to you. There was a time when we didn't tithe. But the Lord stopped us in our tracks. And I, when, this is what happened. I came to him and I said, Lord, things are not working out right. I mean, we were monster in debt. We have huge, we had major problems. And I made some of the dumbest decisions. If I, a lot of you have heard it. But anyways, finally I was like, well, Lord, it ain't working out too well for me. <laughs> like my our, lightning fast mind. I was just going to say, our ability was not real well at that time. No, our ability was not good. And if God had given me a million bucks, I don't know if I'd have it today. I mean, I just didn't know, honestly. So, um, <clears throat> so anyways, so I said, Lord, uh, this isn't working. What do I need to do? And he, he spoke this to me so clear. He said, you have become Lord over your finances instead of allowing me to be. I said, okay, well, I'm not going to be Lord over my finances anymore. Everything you tell me to do, that's what I'm going to do. I said, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to tithe. I'd already graduated Bible college. Listened to hours and hours and hours and hours of people talking about finances over the course of two years. Spent my whole life in church, but I wasn't tithing. Why? Because I wasn't trusting God. I trust God, but I just don't think that I should be giving that away. I'm telling you. He who is faithful in least will be ruler over much. That's talking about finances. I think it's Luke 16, somewhere around there. It's talking about money. 
You say, well, I, I just feel like tithing is under the law. Listen, tithing was before the law, tithing was under the law, and tithing was also after the law. It's a principle. I, so we started tithing, but we don't stop there. And, and this might rock some of you, and I don't, I don't look at everybody's checks and all that stuff, so please don't say, oh, he's talking about me. I, I'm not talking about anybody. But think of the mentality that if you get your paycheck is $1,242.62. Think about sitting and adding that up and then putting the exact 10% of that. Now, if that's where your faith level's at and what God tell you to do, who am I to tell you? But think about this. If God will give you back according to what you have given, why couldn't you just use a round figure? I mean, I'm not trying to get on anybody's case here. But I'm just saying, if we're really trusting the Lord, what does it matter if we're off by a dollar or two dollars? It goes back to mentality that many people have, that I got to tithe if it's going to work right, and I got to be down to the penny. No, you don't. You don't. Just start in your heart with something. You, so you, should you, so people say, should I start with 10%? I believe you should start with 10%. And I believe that should go to your local church. I do. And I could go into a whole message on that. But I believe we should give above and beyond that as well. Why? Because it doesn't belong to us. <laughs> it's the most freeing place you can ever get in your life. Some of you are listening going, man, I just really feel condemned right now. Don't. Don't feel condemned. If you feel condemned, it's not because of me. It's because you're thinking, oh, man, nah, whatever. Don't let the devil beat you up over this. But start to step out in faith and believe God for increase in this area in your life. Is this ringing a bell with some of you? Listen, this is a small church. I know, what ha I know how people think. Oh, he looks... At Listen, first of all, I don't know what you make. If you gave $5 or $10 or $20, I wouldn't know if that's a tithe or not. Honestly, I wouldn't know. That's between you and the Lord. I don't sit and look at that stuff. I don't even count the money. I see what goes in and what comes out. I don't sit and look at everybody's stuff. But you need, you need, between you and your relationship with the Lord, you need to have a starting place. And you say, look, I feel like I need to do 10%. I need to do that, but I can only, God, I just, my faith is at a 5% level or a 2% level. Then start there and let God just grow you in that. There's no, there is no law on this other than we're called to be stewards, not owners. And if we're stewarding, we don't own even 1% of it. Not even 1%. Every, every single thing that I own is on the table. We have two cars that are paid off. They're not very new, but they're paid off. Praise God. Amen. There's something to be said for that. Yeah. Always the, the newest and the best with the $800 a month payment isn't always the greatest. We've been there. Praise God. That's not always the, the best thing to have. Prosperity is not about the things you own. It's about the freedom you have with what you have to do what God's called you to do. That is what real true prosperity looks like. Amen. Am I just saying some good practical stuff here that's helping some of y'all? I just felt like I needed to pastor y'all this morning for a little bit. Amen. Some of you are being stretched. Right now as I'm talking, you're being, you're being really stretched. Let God stretch you in this area. I'm telling you, you, can, you cannot go according to the word and go wrong. You can't go according to the word and go wrong. In fact, this is, as far as I know, this is the only area, specifically with the tithe, although that was under the law, he says, try me in this now, saith the Lord, to see, 
Bring your tithes and your offerings into the storehouse and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you which you cannot contain. Now it goes on to say some stuff that was very law-minded. Like, if you don't, I'm going to put a curse on you and all this stuff. God's not going to do that. We, we have a different covenant now, amen? But still yet, he says, try me in this. You know why he had to say that to them back then? Because they had the same struggle back then that people do today. And that is that they're like, I worked for it. I put in my 40 hours. I made the investments. I, 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 instead of going, Lord, the very breath that I, that I have and all of the ability in me belongs to you. It all goes back to you. Liz and I are getting ready to sell our, our house and we're gonna have some money that's gonna come out of it. We are gonna be 100% debt-free when we sell our house. Now, at this point, we're gonna be homeless, so we have to find a place to live. But we are gonna be debt-free and that's gonna feel amazing for the first time. We've been married 15 and a half years. It'll be for the first time that we've been debt-free. We are so thankful, so grateful. But you know, even the money that comes out of, of our house deal, all of it belongs to the Lord. If the Lord told me, and I don't believe he wants me to do this, I think it needs to go back into our next home. But if he told me to give all that money away, we'd do it just like that. We wouldn't hesitate. Not for a second. You go, well, have you ever given away that much? No, but I've given away a lot of money. We've given away a lot of money. We give away. I was working with a lady one time. I know we need, probably need to quit, but anyways, we're a red church. We could go to 12. <laughs> Come on now. I'm just having a little fun, but I am being serious too. I was working with a lady one time who make, he, her and her husband, I guarantee you between the two of them, I know they made 200 grand a year or more. Praise God. I'm thankful for that. And I was talking to her about about Liz and I and about how we give and we trust the Lord and we've seen God meet our needs. And she goes, I gotta be honest, you're, what you're telling me is just blowing me away. It's stretching me so much because you guys give more than what we give, even though, she, well, she didn't say even though we made more, but I knew what she was saying because she wrote a lot of my paychecks because I was working for her, so she knew good idea what I made. But anyways, which was good money, but she made a lot more money. It's a mentality that you just have to get. You just have to get in that thing in your, in your life to where you go, God, all of it belongs to you. I'll give and do anything that you want me to do. And when you can, and so this is something else I want to, I want to say, and if you've got anything else to add, you can. So many, many times people are believing God for miracles and tremendous things that happen in their life, and I encourage you to keep doing that. But you're believing God for that, but you won't trust him with your finances. It says that if, if he can't trust you with that, then you'll never be trusted with the true riches. True riches is not money. It's not gold and silver. It's not houses. It's not cars. True riches are people. It's things that are kingdom-minded. And if God can't trust you with the money that's in your hand, the lowest level of trusting him. Wow. That struck a chord in some of y'all. Finances is the lowest level of trusting God. Am I right? Am I right? It's the lowest level of trusting the Lord. He said, I just feel so condemned right now. Stop. Stop feeling condemned. That's only you and the devil doing that. I'm stretching you. I'm stretching you. This is a stretching church. We stretch here. Amen. Yeah, I mean, we, we believe in faith. We're a word of faith among all that. So, you know, if you're feeling something, that's actually probably the Lord just speaking to your heart and telling you, will you obey me? And a lot of times, actually, the Lord already asks something from us, and then we're not the ones who are willing to take that first step. 
but it says, you know, the Lord's wanting us to participate with him. Yeah. So, and then that's just an act of obedience and obedience is just fear of the Lord. And what is fear of the Lord? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of all wisdom. wisdom. That's right. That's exactly right. You don't give your way into, we're going to title this uh, prosperity nuggets. Amen. Just all kinds of nuggets for you. You don't give your way into prosperity. You believe your way into prosperity. Yeah. Giving is a corresponding action to what you yeah. believe. If you say that you're prosperous, if you say that you're blessed and you don't give, you don't really believe that. Yeah. He gives seed to the sower. Seed doesn't come to non-sowers. It comes to people that are sowers. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Good stuff. How many of y'all say, I feel a little stretched today? Everybody say, I feel stretched, but I'm not condemned. Because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. So we're spiritual people, so there's no condemnation. Amen. Would you stand to your feet and let me bless you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Father, I thank you. We bless you. Lord, I thank you that you just guided this. I took the, took the word that came from the, one of the young ones today that said, Pastor Kent, just hear the Lord because he's got something special today. I believe that this, as simple as this is, and as non-glorious as it seemed, that God, I believe that the things that we just shared today, God, some of our testimony, even some of where I've missed it, but God, ultimately what your word says that, God, I believe it's going to bring us into higher and greater levels of victory. Because, Lord, we're in this thing for the long haul. We're in it for the long haul. I just hear the Lord saying, tell me you need to say to yourself, I'm going to be in this for the long haul. And you need to keep telling yourself that we're in this for the long haul. I'm in this for the long haul. We're not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. The only way I move is if God says to move. Amen. Praise the Lord. I believe that because we're good ground to sow into. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You all be blessed. Be encouraged. No condemnation. Amen. I know how it goes. I've gotten the emails. I've gotten the notes before. And whenever they're... Pastor Kent, da, 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 I don't even read them. So you could just keep them to yourself and know that I love you, but I'm going to stretch you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly message. To find out more about Overcomers Church International and to hear more messages like this one, please visit our website at ociperryville.com.